Welcome back to this podcast from A Passion for Life. I'm Craig Dyer and I'm learning so much from these conversations and we hope that you're benefiting too. This podcast is an effort to serve you and to encourage all of us. Thank you for joining us now for the second half of a chat I was having with Rico Tice. In the first half, we heard about Rico's early days in Chile and Uganda and Zaire as his dad worked in the tobacco industry. His years at school when he first began to be impacted by the power of the gospel of God's son. And we meandered around some of the fascinating uh, aspects of what Rico can remember and some of the things that made a really big impact on him uh, in these early days of his life. Rico, let's let's uh, go back a little bit to those earlier days. Can, can you remember your first serious encounter with the Bible? Was it, was it something you heard preached or was someone with you in a group or was it one-to-one? I mean, can you remember when first... Vividly, vividly, yeah. brother. I, I had gone to a... My brother started going um, through Christopher Ash. He started going to a nine o'clock voluntary communion service. Yeah. And um, I started going, and honestly, brother, the reason I went is there was a very pretty girl called Emma Young who was about four <laughs> years older. I never spoke to her. But she went from the local girls' school. So I used to like watching her walk up and down the aisle to communion. I don't think she realises she's the reason I'm now ordained. Anyway, there you have it. And... <laughs> I thanks Emma. So so one day I was just waiting for Emma to walk up the aisle. But before that, the chaplain said, Who is this man who in the Sermon on the Mount says, Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? And then as he's being murdered, cries out for his executioners, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Hmm. And that cut me in half. I, I just Goodness. because I'd been taking this diary and I realized I was a hypocrite. I said one thing, I did another. So I, I'd, I'd but by that time realised there was this big gap between the real and ideal with me. Goodness. That I was a Roman seven man. I don't do the good I want to do, the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Yeah. But I suddenly saw that was not true of Jesus. I suddenly saw Jesus was, 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 was different to that. And Consistent, I, yeah. Yeah, my mind was, I mean, I wasn't yet a believer, but my mind was illumined by that moment. Um, and, then, and then Christopher Ash's little Christian forum group, once a week, you know, if you're if you're a teacher and running a school group, it was just amazing. I'd go and I found my heart would burn as I as I heard the Bible. You know, people would come and give a little 15 minute talk. Huh. But but I just found that I'm just burning with this is true and it's real and it's it's the way to go. Isn't so, that so, yeah. so glorious? Because nobody ever had to sit you down and say, now, look, um, we need to be guys who take the Bible seriously. It was already there. You knew it. You tasted it. You felt the power of that word. Um, at yeah, yeah it really was. I did. I find it good. And and then, you know, um, there were some little Bible notes that I I started to use on and off by not, not regularly, but um, um, written by a guy called John Ed, Edison called Newness of Life. Yeah. And and again, I, I, I just remember thinking, gosh, this is real. And then interestingly, I, um, there was one moment where I, I flicked open Ecclesiastes chapter two and um, <laughs> I don't know why, I, but I had my Bible reading notes and this little thing, and, and I saw it. And then, and and Solomon, you know, as he looks for the purpose of life, and he doesn't find it in laughter. Um, I wanted to know what was good under heaven in the few days of our lives. You know, I tried a harem, and mm. and then he tries work. You know, I I remember, and 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 then it and then it says, you know, um, and yet it, everything was a chasing after the wind, and and that passage as well. I I had such a sense of the meaningless of knife under the sun with, without the Lord. I, I just wow. thought when we're here for such a short time, the brevity of life, and we've got to, la- we've got to link up with God. That, 
that I mean, it's just palpable to hear you talk about that because that that really has been the watchword of your life and ministry, and it's I think fascinating to hear well, the well, early. Well, it is, and I suppose it's because partly, Craig, I, I did go to school with alpha males who, yeah have been given two aces and two kings in the card game of life and turned their back on God and lived their own way, but actually have had lives of flourishing, many of them. And their biggest problem will be they're like the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, where, you know, son, remember in your lifetime, you received your good things. Your good things. Mm. That, That rich man in that parable doesn't have a problem until he goes to hell. He finds himself in hell. He's been given so many gifts. He ignores the poor man at his gate. He ignores the scriptures. And his first problem is when he's in hell. And I I, I think that that's true of a lot of the guys I was at school with. Now, I don't wish them evil in their lives. I'm not an ambulance chaser. But I'm saying it is the reality of a judgment to come and their sin and and preaching that, that, that they've got to wake up to. Hell is their biggest problem. They can cope with a lot of the problems in this life because the Lord's, in his kindness, flourished, lavished them with gifts. So there had been that, so to speak, Copernican revolution in your life. Suddenly there was a new reality that was glorious that you were seeing fruitfully and wonderfully and everything in terms of the gospel. Were you... Yes, and the lens to it was my own sin. Yeah. I mean, it, I saw they were living without reference to God, but in my own sin, my own depravity, you know, Simeon had that thing about growing downwards as... I just yeah. saw my need of grace because now the other thing was having a twin sister, interestingly, because a twin sister is quite close to the Holy Spirit in terms of seeing through you. <laughs> so my twin sister, makes, you know, she's been so loyal to me, but she really could see what my motivation was and would be able to say, oh, yeah, Rico, you're doing that. You know, you, so that wow. that really helped as well, because she brought a, re, a woman's intuition and a reality to my own depravity. So there was tremendous rigor in these early days of your development, really. Well, just whether you wanted it or not, God put you put people around you who were going to hold you to account and tell it like it was. Yeah, I think so. I th- I, I think it, it. You know, let's not get away from the fact that he who's been forgiven much loves much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love you know, that. If you can see Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I love that. Were you already beginning to think about a life in gospel ministry at that point, or did you have other thoughts? No, I, I think I was, and interestingly, it was um, really because of. Um, the the chaplain lead the chaplaincy leadership mm. in the school where where and I I don't think it was necessarily these men actually I think part of the contract that they came to the school was they didn't preach the gospel hmm. because these schools want the boys to know we're all good chaps and we're all in it together yeah and that's the chaplain's job so I don't want to point the finger at them I I I, I think one of them was orthodox but that they did not preach the gospel is no question because they were not bringing people to that point of separation. You know, the gospel divides us. And and so as a, by the time I was 17, I thought I could do a better job than this because at least I believe it. Now I think maybe one of them certainly did believe it. I want to be sympathetic, but he certainly didn't have the courage to preach it. And that's what I began to discover that there were people who privately would affirm with me, but wouldn't publicly do it which is exactly the same problem in the Church of England now. If we believe something, we've got to say it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's the, if you look at um, the early days of Willow Creek, there's just been a study done in uh, Greg Pritchard, yeah. wrote a PhD in 95 on that. And he said that to me. Um, he's the living, he's the European leadership leader. He, you know, he said, he said, I went round Willow Creek. They all affirmed reformed truth, but they wouldn't say it because it wasn't good for getting people in. There's, yeah. 
So I think I, I saw that. I, I certainly saw people not saying what they believed because of the fear of authorities or whoever it is, Remarkable. which then has betrayed my contemporaries because my contemporaries think that if they're good chaps, they'll go to heaven. Yeah, such a sneer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you left you left school and uh, you went to Liverpool for a year, a gap year sort of thing. Was the idea just to... Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the Titus Trust, the Ewan Camps, I'd been yep. to a couple. My parents then didn't really like me going there. My mother didn't have a good feeling about it, wow. which was interesting. Yeah, um, definitely. But they were, they were marvellous in terms of modelling Christ to me and some super leaders. But I, I, I honoured my parents and didn't go back until I was 21 to those camps. But... But they put me in touch with the inner city of Liverpool. And I, I went up to the inner city of Liverpool and just an amazing year because I, I, I had really been, I mean, school had been very difficult the last couple of years as a Christian. Mm. It had been brutal. You know, I think of a school magazine, I can still remember one of the lines in it was, Christianity, you'll find Rico's just a phase you're going through. Don't let other people get caught up in your whirlpool of religious fantasy. Praise <laughs> the Lord, hallelujah, you no, know, just F off. So that oh, was dear. every month yeah. these would come out, these magazines. So... But the inner city of Liverpool emotionally rehabilitated me. I mean, I remember thinking, gosh, this is what it means to be happy. It was a very humorous, a lovely community of Christians in the middle of the inner city, 80% yeah. unemployment, three tower blocks outside my window, one of which Cavour, three, seven mums had jumped off, seven. Oh. You know, they'd, they'd, get, they'd get to the 12th floor, the lift had broken, they find they left their purse in the quick save and take the quick way down. So really brutal but at the same time, the light of Christ, Barbara Cunningham, the cook that cooked for us in the, the, the little youth club I was in. So just a wonderful, a wonderful experience of, of Christian joy in a very tough environment. So I saw the gospel worked in the inner city. But at the same time, I saw that I was a, a very privileged chap that, that you know, mm. I, my, I'd had so much resource poured, poured into me. And that was very humbling. You know, you suddenly think, gosh, you need to serve because um, you've been you've been you've, you've had loving parents and a good good home and security and opportunity. So that was that was that that was a very humbling, sobering experience, too. So a, a faith really forged in the furnace of a consciousness of your own sin, um, the power of God's word, the blessing and privilege of your life that drove you not to just look out for yourself, but a sense of responsibility to get this gospel out and to love and care for people, wherever you Yes, and, and contemporaries for school that then set out to live for themselves. Yeah. You know, I just, I just really, they could have done so much if they'd have given themselves. Was it the emptiness of that you saw or? Well, I just think God, God will judge people who, if yeah. you do that, you take all the gifts and ignore him when he's given those gifts so that you serve others. I don't want to sound self-righteous because there's so much ego and idolatry in me, but. You know, to see that clearly, to see people just turn away because they're going. Yeah. Actually, I, uh, uh, life's for me. Yeah. You know that 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 as well. I've I've never quite got over that really. <laughs> now you're a you're a great guy for context. We talked about that in the first podcast. When when you began your degree at Bristol, it was history you were reading there. So was that was that a big thing for you in terms of getting a big historical worldview? Was that the thinking behind that or? Yeah, absolutely. Whatever I did in history, I did the history of the church. Right. So whatever subject I picked, I, I picked, I picked what I said, what's, you know, I did Zimbabwe and I did Ireland or whatever I did, I did what's going on in the church, which actually my tutors really enjoyed. It was interesting to have some nutcase who just wanted to do the church, you know, so yeah. yeah. But um, that really gave me a context for preaching. And, and so, for example, uh, um, 
this is why it's so important with passion for life that we hold to the truths of scripture we 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 you know we, we are we're not just going to do sin and judgment we're going to do wrath and hell yeah we're going to teach the bible clearly we're going to be gracious and live live be very gracious with people but we're not going to not tell them the truth mm. and uh and the reason for that is that i really did see in church history that so often evangelism can be the spearhead of liberalism going into the church because people think we don't have to be faithful to this message. We're just trying to get people in. So we'll leave out the tough bits. And and that's very striking. Let's hear that again. So Yeah, so we've well we've got to remember we've got to remember that evangelism is a subset of faithfulness. Faithfulness is not a subset of evangelism. This wow. is the great problem at the moment in the Church of England and caused me to walk out of the Archbishop's Council for evangelism because, you know, um uh, uh, not Archbishop Welby, but the the uh, the vice chair um, was saying, no, 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 I'm setting up a church plant in Liverpool for people who are in same-sex relationships and practising. Mm-hmm. And, 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 of course, he was saying, I'm doing it for evangelism. But what he's doing is he's saying, don't worry, we don't, we, we're going to preach that Jesus is not Lord of your sexuality. Yeah, He's not Lord there. Now, I, I by doing church history, I, I grasped, how quickly when you go down that route, the generations lose the gospel, hmm. which is why at the moment, um, you know, we in the Church of England, we've got to realise that with the Living in Love and Faith report coming out, and it's very, very important we listen, but certainly as far as I'm concerned, I'm not moving from Jesus is Lord. That's hmm. the gospel. And hmm. only if you preach that gospel will the Holy Spirit honour that and open blind eyes. It's remarkable that in... In our day and generation, that's up for grabs. And there are huge magnetic forces pulling us away from that gospel orthodoxy. Um, and we just have to be aware of it. Yeah, and we all want to be accepted. We all, we all, we yeah. all want to be accepted. And this, this will mean that we're not accepted. So we're heading for the margins if we hold to this truth. And I've got to get my identity in the gospel so that as I, I, mean, I, don't, want, I don't want to lead with this on evangelism, but nevertheless, I'm not going to lie to people. And I've got to get my identity clear that whether you accept or reject me doesn't make me valuable. What makes me valuable is Christ died for me. Yeah. What was so hard at school was my identity wasn't formed and I was getting bashed. But we formed our identity around the grace of God. We know who we are. We keep seeing our sin. We, we need God's grace. Therefore, that's where I find the love and the, and, and the acceptance that enables me to say, I'm going to love you, but I'm standing firm. And particularly on that issue too, since we're on it, the living out mm-hmm. brothers, you know, people like yeah. Ed Shaw and yeah, Vaughan Roberts, who are these same-sex attracted yeah. celebrate who, who who are saying, give us a safe place in the church where we can be celebrated mm-hmm. for staying celibate. Don't say that this is one of our options. This is this is a salvation issue for us that we repent of this this sin, uh, uh, as with all other sin. Yeah, and we need to be a safe place for our brothers and sisters who are battling to be celibate. This is so helpful, Rico, as we as we see that a mission culture is not it's not necessarily a pretty thing to to live by. It's tough in the culture. It means being distinct and being different and sticking. Um not not negatively, rigidly to the word of God, but in the way that you would cling to a lifeboat. And that is the that's the glories of it. Saving ourselves from this corrupt generation is Yeah, and, and the other thing is, brother, very simply, the Holy Spirit will depart if we don't. Yeah. Jesus says, I'll remove my lampstand. 
So, so the reason we have to hold to the truth that Jesus is Lord in all things, including human sexuality, is we don't want the Holy Spirit to depart because the only way anyone gets converted is if he does the miracle and opens blind eyes. So it's the logic of saying, I am not going to sit here and pr- proclaim a gospel which the Holy Spirit won't honour because it, my words ain't going to do anything. It's going to be the Lord taking his word and opening blind eyes. Remarkable. So we, we, we are absolutely... It's a non-negotiable that we stay to the truth because he is the spirit of truth. And you mentioned your training there all the way through your training then at, at, at um, in Oxford, Wycliffe Hall. W- was that a bit of a battleground as well or was that a good experience? No, in terms actually, of- Wycliffe, I look back, people like Dick France and David Wenham and Alistair McGrath, um, you know, I just look back on people that, that really were Christian men and yeah. women. Um, and uh, that, that were on staff there. I'm very grateful for, to the Church of England for that, actually, and above all, because it gave me a great peer group. But I tell you one thing I did learn at, at Wycliffe, and that was there are two types of people at Theological College. There are those who go on asking questions and those who even at 25 have said, no, I don't ask questions, I answer them. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, you've, you've got to be someone who's got the humility to, I mean, if you, who ask questions, I mean, John Stott never stopped asking questions. Yeah. And brother, sister, you know, it just, you know, to see somebody who's, I mean, pity your church if you don't ask questions. We, we've got to be people that are always learning, always listening. Explore, explain, encourage. You know, what have they said? Yeah. What's the next thing they need to hear? How do I put flesh on that? But, you know, Schaefer, be asking questions. And what amazed me is I look back at some people at college and I don't think they ever did. They were too proud. They just answered questions. Remarkable. How desperate for their for their minds to be full in their estimation by that stage in life. Um, it doesn't all go well for the future. Yeah, yeah, just amazing not to be. I mean, Jesus asked three hundred over three hundred questions in the Gospels. So you know, we need to be asking questions. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Rico. You're obviously you're committed to what we've been talking about: expository Bible preaching. How would you how would you define that for us today? Well, I think at the end of the sermon, people have got to have got the big idea from the passage. Mm. So when you've got a passage, there's what's the big idea in the passage? And then how do the verses head towards explaining that big idea? And those are your headings. Mm -hmm. But it's this idea of being able to say, um, here's the the key phrase in this passage. How do I communicate that? So that at the end of the sermon, people walk away and go, oh, that was simple. Yeah, that's what it said fine and they just wander out the door but but yeah. but actually and and then believing that as you've done that that's where the power is yes. that the power is in the word as we as mm. as we as we explain it and illustrate and apply it and it's hard graft isn't it i mean it, it looks easy certainly when you do it, it looks easy but it's hard graft I, I i think it's very lonely sometimes i mean i i yeah. i i can think of times at 11 o'clock on a saturday night when it's too late to phone a friend and you're and you've hit a roadblock and you think i Absolutely. I've suddenly seen this is there's just not a logic here with my with the is, I, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, I've got I mean, I can, I can remember once p- putting on some sermon tapes because I would I'd hit a roadblock, but it was 11 o'clock at night. I was preaching yeah. next morning, but I thought, how on earth do they do it? How, because I haven't I haven't I've, 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 I can't see the, the logic here of how this works. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. To, it's great to hear that that's your experience, because I, I guarantee there are Anybody who's listening to this who's a preacher has nodding their head, who has to do it regularly, 
and you're trying to figure out who Melchizedek is and tomorrow morning there's going to be, you know, in, in maybe in nine hours' time, there's going to be a row of people who want well, to find out. <laughs> well, brother, let me just say one thing that has been amazing and I really do commend this. Um, I've just written this little book, Faithful Leaders, really about just trying yeah. to be faithful in teaching the Bible and Achan sin, watching our own sin and leading ourselves. But I found that when I wrote the bit about holding to God's word, you know, 2 Timothy 3 and just mm. being a faithful workman, I did look back and I, there is a, we have a little group on a Thursday morning and whether people are employed or not, you can do this. And you have to, for 10 minutes, do the outline of your sermon and then you get 20 minutes input. Wow. And as I look back, having that 72 hours before the sermon has been amazing because one is you have to have something prepared. You've got to have the bones of the talk. Yeah. That's very good. So you've got to have it by Thursday. Or, or, I mean, if you haven't got it, they'll, they'll sort of help you a bit, but it works best. You've got the bones. And then you've sort of, what I then found was then I, I tend to have hit those roadblocks on Thursday morning. And then I've got a little group I can, I can mm-hmm. say, well, these are the roadblocks. Now, even if they, and, you know, we have a group, men and women are, are in it. Um, I think of people who've been remarkable. Melinda Hendry, who's on Staff at All Souls, is yeah. just brilliant in those groups. But, you know, you, I, I do think if, try and get to the roadblocks early yeah. and that and also having the group then say to me rico we think that is basically faithful that's okay other times they've gone no you've not got that right and you think no there goes my game of golf you know but yeah. you, but yeah. but i have found and it's much better getting the feedback before than after i mean you get it afterwards but it's sort of you know the horse has bolted you you know if yeah. you get it on the on the sunday night or the monday morning you think well i wish i'd known but to get it before and realize what's coming as i've looked back over the 30 years of it all souls that meeting has been absolutely indispensable that's a great thing yeah and maybe we some people are good at illustrations some people are good at application obviously when the boss speaks when hugh palmer would say a point i would take that much more seriously because i'm under the the authority of the church but also to some degree him so you can you cannot take the comment or not but even if you don't take it why do you not take it and um and uh, there might be ways for us to find help with a few pals who decide we're yeah. going to have a we're going to have a Skype call That's or we're right. going to have a Zoom call on a Thursday Absol- morning and absolutely take yeah. three or four ministers to say look we'll all we'll all we'll all have 20 minutes on our sermon each we'll do we'll do a 7 minute outline and then 30 minutes feedback because then what happens of course is someone in the group says do you know what i i did hear that john stott he did a super talk on that and it's there mm. and suddenly you you know you you get the you get the illustration or the input too but i have mm. found that group of Trying to sit under God's word and be faithful, but not alone yeah. to have other people help me um, has been amazing. Yeah. Now, as we as we think a little bit about your ministry also, is obviously your name is synonymous with the, I guess, internationally known Christianity Explorer course, but I guess it exists not because you set out to produce it for a global market, but I, I take it because you were looking for something to develop a, a mission culture in the local church, in All Souls, as, as you went there in, in was it 94? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And just, just to say to everyone, make your local church your laboratory. That's mm. where you work stuff out. And then, you know, there might be things you find out for the rest of us on the wider scene, and we're desperate to hear them. But the local church is where you work stuff out. I, I can't bear this thing where some people think they can go from desk to pul- publication. Yeah. You go to desk to local church for 10 years while you work it out in your context, and then you ask other brothers in their context. I mean, I've had people run CE for me or Life Explored 
in other contexts with the same theology but a different context. Then you get all the feedback. Yeah. And then having been through that 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 experience, you then say, okay, I think this material is ready to, to go out to the wider church. And then mm-hmm. again, you're still wanting to learn. So then as with Life Explored, we've, we've, we're doing a big rewrite because we got things wrong in the first course. We're still thrilled with it. We think idolatry and, and that Bible overview is wonderfully worked together but there was lots we got wrong so we've we've gone again having had all the feedback so you know semper reformanda always reforming but doing that in a local church and and, uh, craig i mean the agony of the ravi zacharias story yeah for me the most agonizing thing was he was not in a local church yeah maybe i don't know why that was but every sunday maybe he was such demand that he was doing a big talk somewhere but it's the local church, yeah. which is which is God's tool for keeping us all that's right humble and servant hearted and we're we're you know. we're not wise ever to try to outwit the Bible in terms of what we yeah. should be. Ravi our... should have been on the coffee rotor at his local church, yeah. and yeah. he should have been doing that, and then other jobs that just keep. And then, of course, you learn so much. You know, you 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 do the coffee rotor with someone who's been doing it for thirty five years, and she's lost both her sons, and she keeps yeah. being faithful, and it makes you want to weep, and you oh. think I'm going to keep following Jesus myself. That's you know that, that that it's so important that that aspect yeah. Rico if, if someone were maybe to be listening today and to say well you know that's okay when you're at All Souls Lang and Plays huge staff team wonderful resources ministry Disneyland it's not easy in the inner city or it's not easy in a, easy in a rural parish what would you say are the principles we've been talking about transferable to every situation yeah, the, the principles are transferable, but I just want to humbly acknowledge, I think that's true. I think I'm in a very privileged situation, and I think that um, there are lots of things that make my life easier. Um, I'm in a team situation, so I just I just want to acknowledge that, that I, yeah. I think, I don't know if the Lord could have trusted me with isolation. I, I don't know. I think, I think that what I have learned is that um, if you're a number two, you have to be absolutely loyal to your boss, to the number one, and, and yeah. loyalty begins at the point of disagreement. So you've got to really work that out and, and be clear on that. But I've had very good bosses to work for. So the first thing I want to say is that that would be an, I think that crit would be one that's appropriate. I think life probably is easier for me. But at the same time, um, yeah, working working to, to, to get the Bible open and teach it to people, it doesn't matter what razzmatazz you've got around it, that's yeah. where the power is. People get changed as Jesus walks off the pages and meets them. From the front, as you preach, in a small group, when you get people into small groups, one-to-one as you explain it, and then they take it home to read it. So it doesn't matter what the context, that's where the power is. It's in God's word explained and lived out. And it's not easier anywhere else. It's not easier with, you know, where you are. It's actually not easier. It may look easier, but it's all the same pressures, just maybe more of them in some respects. So I guess we all sometimes look over the fence and think somebody's got a, a, a much gentler and easier life but it's actually it's it's tough being in any kind of gospel well, ministry brother it goes back to my point we all need encouragement you yeah. know we drop that text to, to that person saying i was so helpful what you said 25 years ago it's kept me going all this or just be an encourager don't we all need it if john stott says discouragement was his biggest problem then it's all of it's a huge thing for all of us so mm. keep encouraging people to be faithful and don't think that there's another place where where if you know that there's power because that's not going to put the roots in you know it's interesting isn't it the kingdom comes as the seed is sown in mark chapter four 
So it's the seed that brings the kingdom. I've got to therefore keep sowing the seed. Hmm. But there's, you know, there are three types of the four seed that, 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 you know, hit the rocky places, etc. Yeah, exactly. The path, you know, it's going to be discouraging work. Amazing. Rico, regrettably, we've got to begin to draw this to a close. Just lastly, um, what are your hopes for a passion for life? Well, again, it's the encouragement. I just love doing this across the country. And, you know, from 1617 at boarding school, that first Billy Graham in 84 I went to, the thought of a national mission when we're yeah. all going together, it, it, it thrills me. And, and actually, it thrills me much. I mean, I, it's wonderful doing Christianity Explored and Mark's Gospel, but if you really want to know what what I've always dreamed about, it's 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 mission that we're all doing together. Yeah. We're raising up the Lord Jesus. We're, we're, we've got the same gospel. Jesus is Lord. That's the heart of our gospel. We're going to say it. We're, we're going to find our identity in, in God's grace. So we're going to cross the pain line and say it, but we're going to be really gracious. And and up and down the land in our different contexts, we're going to do it. And then we're going to we're going to share we're going to share with each other our our our, our joys and our sorrows. Mm. But, but and to do it around Easter, because and and now when you know as I've said on my street with you know um the mortality on my street, now when t- death has gone from taboo to reality, another gay friend on my street said to me, "Death's a fact now, Rico, isn't it? Amazing. Death's a fact." He yeah. said. So we've got this opportunity heading into two thousand and twenty-two, where the culture cannot deny that it doesn't have answers. That, uh, that that it's got answers to, to, to these questions we'll be asking. And we can say they're in Jesus. Please come. Rico, it's yeah. been an absolute blast talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. We thank the Lord for you and we pray his continued blessing upon and protection upon you and upon the Tices and upon the ministries. And thank you so much for listening. We hope it's encouraged your heart, stimulated your mind, Uh, giving you some thoughts about what you can do this week to encourage others and and maybe to begin uh, refreshing this uh, mission culture. And please be kind enough to join us again on this podcast from A Passion for Life. We look forward very much to having Felix Aremo next time and uh, we'd love to have you then. Please check apassionforlife.org.uk for details. Lord bless you. Bye for now.